From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. I keep telling you, all you got to do is listen to Fitz and Harry. We got a 50-50 shot, but so far we've proven that more often than not, at least one of the two of us is going to nail it. And yesterday, we both nailed one thing when we told you it's ridiculous to sleep on the Miami Heat. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Now, I'll be transparent. I'll be clear. Harry, we both also said, I think I'm leaning Boston in this series. But part of the conversation was, I might be leaning Boston, but I'm not making anything a given. Why? The journey of the Heat. We have seen this team. I don't give a damn what we saw in the regular season. I don't give a damn what we saw in the play-in. We have seen this team transform through the process of the playoffs. We've seen this team find dirty, ugly ways to win. Uh, dirty not as in like uh, playing dirty, but dirty is in like just oh, in the I, muck. I thought you meant a different kind of no, dirty. This is a two o'clock hour it's, it's now. A ceiling, it's a ceiling fan win. That's what it's going to be. Now, there, there's what? this level with the heat where for everything we saw, what we've seen in the playoffs is that Teams seem constantly shocked by the Heat's ability to just muck everything up, get in the middle of everything, force you to be the worst version of yourself, and also beat you in that process, thanks in large part to Spolstra and Butler. Well, here's the funny thing is that when you look at the four teams that are left in the NBA playoffs, the Miami Heat has the best coach. The Miami Heat has the coach with the most experience in conference finals and also NBA finals. And it shows time and time again, or it has throughout these playoffs, playoffs in the past, that Eric Spolstra is a guy that's homegrown, someone that wasn't given anything, worked for everything that he got, and he learned under the great Pat Riley. And he's been able to coach guys like LeBron James. So even though he's the coach, he has an opportunity to pick his brain. Right. So when you're able to do things like that and then you get a player like Jimmy Butler, who, you know, is your best player, but it's going to go out there and put it on the line and do everything that he can for the basketball team. Your other players are going to follow suit. So when you have a Jimmy Butler and you have an Eric Spolstra, your chances of winning are going to be higher than a lot of other people because you have a formula, a formula that is toughness. Right. Togetherness. It doesn't matter who we're playing. We believe in what we believe in, and then we're going to make the proper adjustments when needed, Fitz. I want to roll my eyes to some of these concepts. I do. Like, as a fan, I want to just sit there and say, you know, buy-in, effort, you know, energy, all of these, been there, done. I want to roll my eyes to all of these concepts because as, you know, a 5'9", middle-aged white dude, I'm sitting there saying, he can't make that much of a difference. But all I keep thinking about is what we've seen on the court. And buy-in is real, right? Like, sort of the style is real, the togetherness, the bond is real. We just heard Steve Kerr a couple of days ago openly acknowledge the fact that the Warriors weren't right this year because of the personal things that happened around the practice court and some of the effect that had on guys' ability to bond together. This is the moment where you have to look at it and say some locker rooms find a different level of bond. They find a different level of identity and buy-in. And I, I just feel like even watching last night, 
I wondered if that Game 7 sort of energy would transfer for the Celtics. Instead, the Celtics looked as inconsistent as they have throughout the course of this entire playoffs. And in the meantime, the Heat just looked like they were hanging on, thinking, you know what, what, what do they always say? You, you, you wait for the defense to, to give you the game, and eventually you'll win, right? Like It just felt like the Heat were saying, we're going to stick around, we're going to stick around. And when that door opened, the Heat busted through it because that's who they are. Well, Fitz, it, it, it's, it's, sometimes it might be cliche because we talk about the Heat culture, but it is a real thing, right? And, and that culture starts with a guy like Pat Riley. And then you see Alonzo Mourning, who played for this basketball team at a very, very high level. And now it trickles all the way down to a guy in Spolstra, who was a video guy. And now he's the head coach. But I think the mindset of this team, and I can't help but think about this right here, though, Fitz. I don't know if it was last year or the year before last. I remember Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam had got into it. And when we talk about Heat culture, it was basically Udonis Haslam letting Jimmy know, no, I don't care what you got going on. This is the way we do it here with the Miami Heat and this organization. Right? Not to say that, you know, Jimmy was wrong or, or UD was wrong, but when you have a guy like a Udonis Haslam who's been there through thick and thin times, who understands what it means to be a Miami Heat player, who to be involved within that organization, you set the tone and you let them let that whoever it is uh, know what it's going to be when they're coming into this organization. And that's just something that they can't get lost. You know, when you're talking about the Miami Heat is their culture and the way they do things. But that also takes buy in from everybody because it does. Again, I'll go back to the Warriors. One thing we talked about the other day was that there was an obvious plan that the older guys would eventually basically show the culture to the younger guys, the Jordan Pools of the world. Everybody would kumbaya together and they'd be able to continue for generations. That hasn't happened this year for the Warriors. It's part of the reason they fell apart. Right now, what you have are a bunch of people that are swallowing their pride and willing to give exactly what they need to give for this team to be at its best. Bam Adebayo is a perfect example of somebody that when he when he scores 20 or more in the playoffs, the Heat win. Does that mean that he's coming out feeling some kind of way about his minutes, his touches, and the way he approaches the game? No. They don't have that same. Everybody seems to know their role. Everybody seems to know the expectation on them. And everybody seems really comfortable letting Jimmy cook while they support that. And there's a freedom to that. If you're willing to do that without sitting there worrying about what it means for you and, and whether you're getting your shine and all of these things, like that's real for a lot of people. I don't I don't fault the ego that anybody that's great at their job has. I, I, I never will. But you have to be able to switch swallow a lot of that in a team environment when Jimmy Butler is basically taking the, the he's taking the entire sleigh he's all of the reindeer and he's saying y'all just got to be Santa deliver the gifts I'll get us there I mean that's that's powerful Fitz I, I watched Jimmy Butler last night um, and I understand that 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 Zeller isn't the upper echelon player or it's gonna or or if he's gonna help the Miami Heat in a tremendous way in this series right but I watched him get on Zeller about something, and all I seen from Zeller was like, okay, I got you. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't no, man, what are you talking about? Or, you know, back and forth for banter. He understood what his role is or what his role was last night, but also that Jimmy Butler is the best player on this team and the face of this team right now. And if he's saying something to me, I need to consider it. Same thing when you talk about a guy like LeBron James. If LeBron James is coming to you, what, am I, what the hell am I going to argue back and forth with LeBron James for? And he, he trying to go to his 11th NBA Finals and won four of them and been the face of the NBA for a very, very long time. That would be very stupid of me, right? Yeah, 100%. And it, it speaks to 
authenticity, right? Like leadership, yep. authenticity. It also speaks to just who is that that person that sort of, you know, you said earlier about that life, right? Like Jimmy Butler and the way he answered this question at his press conference, he was asked if he expected the Heat to be here. Don't, don't just listen to his words. Listen to his tone. Damn right. I did. Damn right. We did. And the best part about it is we still don't care what none of y'all think. Honestly speaking, um, we don't care if you pick us to win. We never have. We never will. We know the group of guys we have in this locker room. We know that Coach Bo puts so much confidence and belief in each and every one of us. Coach Pat as well. And so our circle's small, but this circle got so much love for one another. Pump constant confidence into everybody. And we go out there and we hoop. We play basketball the right way, knowing that we always got a chance. Now, he probably wanted to add Jive Turkeys at the end of that, but it didn't. You know what I'm saying? But but that, that, that's how he feels. And you can just hear the tone that he's using, that everything that he's saying is meaningful and it's 100% true, Fitz. And where the Celtics have to be scared right now, and I don't mean scared for the long series, but in this moment, there is nothing scarier than a superstar with swagger. There's nothing scarier than momentum and confidence. With the presence, too. Right. With the presence that everyone on that basketball team follows in which Pat Riley adores, and so does the head coach of that team as well. And and you know damn well when you were playing that you could feel it from one of your stars when they were feeling that moment and they had that momentum, right? And you yep. know that it's like, man, this guy is going to be unstoppable today. Right now, Jimmy Butler has the thing that is almost impossible to figure out how to break. He has confidence. He has momentum. He has all of these sort of things rolled up together in this moment because things are going so well. The Celtics need to get a break here because if they don't, if they can't break Jimmy Butler, they won't Uh-oh. win this series. You ain't said nothing but a word. The Celtics better watch out. They better make sure they get game two because <gasps> Fitz. It's getting hot in here. So take off all your clothes. Get okay, no, we should we should probably stop. All right, you know what? Can we do Pitbull <laughs> next time? No, I feel like Miami. We should do some Pitbull. Uh ooh-wee! All right, coming up, one expert tells you the one thing that's being completely overrated from the Heat's game one win. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Just in case anybody from EA Sports is listening, I've been openly shilling to try and get in to the college football game. I figure years of this, what, I'm six years into working on college football programs for this company? Uh, like, I, I just want some way into the game, EA. Call me. Also, Madden. Like, what I game? Mean, uh, uh, the college football game. EA, EA Sports is putting out a college football game next year. 
So oh. it's not out till next year. See, Harry, you would know this if you were a gamer. Also, Madden out right now. Uh, well, I mean, obviously not this year's version, but I used to play Madden for money. Madden? So, What's that? Like, it's a video game. It's, it's I'm, a, I'm just messing it's with where, you. <laughs> it's where guys like me uh, play and pretend that we're guys like you. That's basically what we do. But, but no know? lie, like uh, every year in the National in. Football League, we got a check for being on Madden. Look, I, I, every every player got a check for being on Madden. You know what, uh, Harry? I I am quite certain that at some point I traded for you to join my beloved Raiders. I'm certain of it. You, you know, I'm I'm quite the quite the Madden player. Uh, you know, it's 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 a passion for Fitz, me. Fitz, can I have you? Uh, do you want to test out doing the voice? Can you say EA Sports is in the game? In, oh, in the I voice? mean the EA Sports. It's in the game. It's pretty good. Oh, That's not bad. Pretty good. Oh, it's not bad. Oh. Uh, look, drink a little I, water. Drink a little like, water. Well, well oh yeah. Here's the thing. Like EA, <laughs> call me in. I would be like your halftime guy or your pregame guy, where you know you just need a little energy, excitement. That's what people tell me. My voice uh, brings either you know absolutely sheer terror or energy to people, depending on what you think. So EA, call me uh, because either one's a win, right? Like what you know is the signature. Ah, it would be there for you. I'm just. Go or a code where you unlock a guy who plays the fiddle and quarterback at the same time. So he has a fiddle in one hand and the football in the other, and he throws it while playing the fiddle. Like, that would be a great unlock code for Madden. It's not a bad idea. Uh, they stopped making what are Guitar we doing? Hero. What are we doing? And like what are we doing now? The, like, I never, none of the acts I played for were ever any, any of the music video games. But EA, I just want you to know, if I make it into Madden, I will add Madden or the college football game to my tattoo. So I'm just, that's my, that's See, my, I'm willing you, to offer You guys that. over there playing video games, I'm over here cleaning out poop out of my kids' underwear. Like, you know what I mean? The little stains and stuff. So that's what y'all are doing. I'm doing that with my well, free time. You know what? That's, with shout, spraying shout on the, the little the, blue you know, The former sounds a lot better. I just want to remind you that you could have prevented that. All you had to do. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'll try and keep our jobs here. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. I'm just saying. Presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm sure they're glad I'm telling you that now. Get a business insurance quote online in as little as six minutes. That's about how long it takes to make a baby Harry. Visit ProgressiveCommercial.com. All right. So. <laughs> I think I, I think I need a, a, shout, a shout sponsor. Hey, yo! <laughs> At this point, you know what? Evan's sitting in there desperately wishing he could call a timeout and just refocus this entire show. That's what Evan, producer extraordinaire, is wishing he could do. That's what Celtics fans were wishing the Celtics would do last night because let's remember that other than the TV timeout in the third quarter, there was no attempt by the Celtics to regroup in a quarter that they were getting absolutely decimated in. They were out scored by 21 points in the period and uh, it did not go well but they didn't call any timeouts now you know joe missoula was going to be asked about that afterwards he was it went about as well as you would think this is what it sounded like going up against spolstra who's constantly making adjustments on the fly willing to kind of call timeouts and change things up so quickly how did you balance like trying to let things play out in the ways you usually do versus like having to seize control i called two in the first quarter thinking more like the third quarter no i don't call two in the first quarter. Save it for the third quarter run. I mean, he, here's the thing. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I, I just can't. I can't with all of this, Harry. Like, I, I, in fairness, I think we should also acknowledge what Monica McNutt, ESPN basketball analyst, said on this very show when we asked her if we were making too big of a deal of it and how we should take all of it. At what point are you going to stop asking the zebra to change their stripes? Like, he's not a time I'll do. And we can point to if, because, when, maybe, shoulda, coulda. But we've seen that that's not how Missoula rolls and that's not how the Celtics roll. And despite folks clamoring for timeout calls, here they are. Now, maybe the magnitude or the magnifying glass on coaching and the light is getting brighter as you get closer and closer to achieving the ultimate goal. 
But I'm kind of with you. It is what it is. And now you got to get players that have had the experience, check, that have been in big games, check, that should have something about them to be like, hey, yo, let's get it together. We're not going out like that. And if it's that big of an issue, players can call timeout. That, that's, a, that's a great point that she brought up because, you know, it's not like we're talking about an inexperienced team in the Boston Celtics. But the flip side of it, though, I think Joe Mazzula also has to grow as a coach, right? Even though you might not be the coach that likes to call timeouts, if you see your team is getting a massive run um, put on them, in which at the 1033 to 802 mark, it was a 13 to uh, 1 run by the Miami Heat, and you got outscored in that quarter 46 to 25, I think you might want to call timeout and also not be smart, Alec, about it when you're asked about, you know, calling two timeouts in the first quarter versus having calling one in the third. And I'm going to defend the players a little here, too, because I get the point that Monica's making. It's a very smart one. But obviously, part of their strategy is to not use those timeouts. So even though it's a veteran team that could call timeout on the court if they needed to, the other side of it is if they do that and they're going to get destroyed for going against what their coach wants them to do in that moment, too. Like, it's sort of a lose-lose spot for a player in my mind. And at some point, you got to identify what you're going through. This is a great stat about last night's game. The Celtics won three of the four quarters, right? We've been, we know that. That means the Heat lost three of the four quarters. Since the 2020 bubble, the Heat have won seven playoff games where they lost three of the four quarters. The rest of the NBA combined has only done it seven times. So what that tells me, and I, I'm going to be that, that analytics nerd, what that tells me is that I should know, if I am on the staff of the Boston Celtics, that this is who the Heat are and this is what the Heat do. And they can beat you if they only beat you for one quarter because they can beat the snot out of you for that quarter. So now, that only, to me, makes it more important to realize in the situation, whoa, 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 this isn't any team. This is the Heat. This is part of the Heat's identity. This is part of what the Heat do. I need to call this timeout and regroup because I understand the history this organization and this particular team has doing exactly this to the rest of the NBA. I got to realize the situation I'm in, and it doesn't feel like Missoula did. And that's understanding the circumstances at hand, right? especially on the fly, during the game, in-game adjustments. That's part of being a head coach. And I just think, like, when you're coaching against a guy in Eric Spolster and you're in the fourth quarter and you see, like, a run about to be made, seven, uh, a run has been made, 7-0, right, he immediately calls a timeout. I think moving forward, all these things have to be learning moments for Joe Mazzula and for him not to just be bullheaded and say, okay, I didn't call timeout, that's not who I am. Well, it can become somebody that you are as you grow and you look to be better at your craft, at your job, in which you are the head coach of the Boston Celtics at the moment. I, I love what you said because, again, I'll play just the beginning of what Monica said. At what point are you going to stop asking the zebra to change their stripes? Okay, cool. Are we going to apply that universally everywhere? Like, uh, oh, player X can't hit free throws. Okay. Well, we know we can't hit free throws. When are we just going to ask a zebra to stop changing his stripes? How many Celtics fans today are yelling about the Tatum turnovers that we've seen? Well, you know, maybe that's just who he is. Like, maybe that's who he is, is never seen as an acceptable answer for an athlete that needs to improve at something. So I just don't want to rely on maybe that's just who he is as an acceptable reasoning for Missoula not putting his team in a better situation right then. Look, I think 
you know, after last night, last night's game, I think Joe Mazzula needs to sit back and just refresh his mind, right? Because I do understand that there's a lot of pressure on him, right? You're taking over for a guy who got this team to the finals last year, even though they came up short. They were better defensively, and you have a ton of pressure on you. You're the young guy. You were the assistant coach on that staff as well, right along with everyone. And everything hasn't been peaches and creams uh, this season. But at the same time, just sit back, relax, and figure out what what you can do better. And, and don't take it personal when people are asking you about it because now it's coming off the wrong way to the media and other people viewing it. You just mentioned what anyone can do better. As much as we're talking about the Eastern Conference Finals, that's acknowledged tonight is the Western Conference Finals at Game 2. And there's one specific thing that one team is going to have to do better tonight if they want to win. We'll tell you what it is. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. The Denver Nuggets continue to roll, winning game one of the Western Conference Finals at home. How will LeBron, AD, and the Lakers respond? Find out in game two of the Nuggets and Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Nuggets continue to roll, winning game one of the Western Conference Finals at home. How will LeBron, AD, and the Lakers respond? Find out in game two of the Nuggets and Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins tonight at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Sometimes the first game in a series gives you an incredible outcome. But it doesn't actually give you a bunch of big takeaways. For the Lakers and the Nuggets, there was one thing that we need to ignore and one person that needs to step up that we learned in game one. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel Lady Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget tonight, Lakers, Nuggets on ESPN, and of course on ESPN Radio. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio. I, this is interesting. I'm going to give you know me. Like I'm, I like diving into the numbers, Harry. And so what I like to do for anyone that's new to our show is when we see something, I like to go in and say, do any do, does is there any analytics out there that support it? So I'm not using analytics to make my point. I'm just using analytics to support our points sometimes, right? So yeah. I got into looking at role players and the way everybody played. And this was crazy to me. This is this tells us something that we absolutely learned nothing about in game one. All right, you ready for this? The sector, second spectrum has a stat they call quantified shooter impact. And what that means, as crazy as it sounds to everybody, is the quality of shot versus what actually came from it. So the higher the number, the more it was like, wow, you guys just, it was one of those days. You were hitting everything. Easiest way to explain it, right? So the Nuggets had their third best number of the postseason third let's just say wow they were just fallen of the entire postseason so Mm -hmm. you can look at that and say well there's no way the role players are going to replicate that third best well what if i told you the lakers had their best Ah, it's just one of those nights of the entire postseason and their third best it was just one of the nights over the entire year so all we learned is that when both teams are hitting their shots and everything's just sort of rolling in shooters roll 
man, the Nuggets got that win. I don't know how much we can expect from any of that tonight. Like, I wouldn't be surprised to see both teams have their supporting stat- casts take a small step back because you simply can't be that lucky and efficient two straight nights. And I'll be honest, coming into this series, I thought it was just going to be about, you know, Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic. Well, those two guys are going to get theirs, and I also think LeBron's going to get his too. Um, I'll even throw Jamal Murray in there as well uh, because uh, I just like his game, and he's a pure natural shooter. But now my mindset of this series, it's going to come down to the supporting cast of both of these teams. And we've seen a Austin Reeves go out there in game one for the Lakers and ball out. We've seen a Hachimura come off the bench and do the same. Now, we didn't get that defensively. We've seen it from Dennis Schroeder late in the game, but we didn't see the offensive shot making from a D'Angelo Russell, in which at times in the playoffs, there are times where he get hot, and then there are times where he just disappears and goes to the land of no return. On the flip side of that, when you look at the Denver Nuggets, I thought Bruce Brown off of the bench for the Denver Nuggets got into a rhythm very, very early. And the Lakers allowed him to be comfortable and have that groove. But Caldwell Pope, KCP, he's a guy that used to play with this team and won the Los Angeles Lakers, that is, and won a NBA championship with them. He's going to, in my opinion, is going to come out and be ready to play every single game because that's his formal team. And that's just the mindset when you're going against a team that you used to play on. I think Michael Porter Jr. hit some big shots in that game as well, going three for six from the three-point line. Aaron Gordon had 12 points, but I think he can be better, right? And, and, and Jeff Van Gundy, when we had him on, kind of mentioned that, hey, you got to flash more. You got to cut on the baseline more. Don't allow Anthony Davis just to be able to just roam while he's not guarding you um, as a jump shooter, right? M- make things harder for the Lakers defensively when they're out there so they're not adding one guy to the paint to take away Nikola Jokic. So I just think the role players for both sides, but in particular – my eyes on D'Angelo Russell, because we talked about this in our show meeting. When he hits shots early, oh, man, it's all good and dandy. When he missed shots early, he's going to start missing a lot of them because it's like his mindset is different. You're a thousand percent right, and it becomes really key to get him going early. There's another player that I think you just mentioned, Aaron Gordon, and why Aaron Gordon, I think there's a reason Aaron Gordon can be huge tonight. But before I tell you that, let me first remind everybody what Kendrick Perkins had to say about whether or not Rui Hachimura should start game two, given the success he had once the Lakers put him in. I wouldn't even think twice about it. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't you can't worry about guys' feelings. Uh, one thing we know is that Dennis Schroeder is a is a team guy. Whether he's starting or coming in off the bench, he's still gonna bring the same great energy. He's gonna be all the way in. Now you will have a problem, prop with D'Angelo Russell. So, in order to keep him engaged, he'll give him that starting role. But I always keep preaching to people. We, we can't continue to get caught up in who's starting because it's not who's starting, it's who's fin- who finishes the game. Now that speaks to your point that they need to get Russell involved early. What I think is interesting is when you talk a lot about pick and roll, and we know that how much that's used in every team in the NBA, but particularly for the Nuggets, where they were having some success in the first half was Aaron Gordon was sort of rolling over next to the basket. They call it the dunker spot, right? So he was in a spot where he could basically get the uh, the advantage. In the first half, 
he was crushing in that spot. The points per possession were way up when he was in that role. In the second half, when they moved Hachimura in a way that let AD become sort of a roamer, all of a sudden Gordon became invisible. When we look at the impact of Anthony Davis, the roamer around the rim, it's Gordon that's going to have to find a way to get respect, as we like to say on this show. He's going to have to say it with his chest from that dunker spot. He is going to have to force physicality, in my mind, to get those points uh, per play up on the pick and roll when he's in that spot if they leave AD there. So I think well, Russell's key, but I also think that Gordon is as well. I think for Gordon too, though, and you know the Denver Nuggets, they want to get out in transition, right? They want to get the ball out quick, get it down the floor, whether they miss, whether the Lakers miss baskets or they make baskets. And I think the early, earlier on in the game, when you can get a guy like Aaron Gordon to get early buckets, right, to 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 allow the confidence to go, you know, higher and higher. Because there's nothing like being a player and seeing that ball going through that basket, right? It just boosts you. I don't care who you are. You could be the greatest player in the world. It just gives you a different boost, right? So I think the more they can get out in transition, even more so than they did in the first half of the game one, I think it's better for Aaron Gordon. Also, I think his mid-range game, he's going to have to be able to knock shots down in the mid-range uh, uh, area. And if he has a wide-open three, he's going to have to be able to knock down the wide-open three. Now, that's not his strong suit. He was 0 for 3 from the three-point line in that game. But they're leaving, they're leaving him wide open for a reason. I think the Lakers would uh, in, allow that shot to happen from him from the three-point line more so than him cutting towards the bas- basket being that slasher. But if Eric Gordon makes one or two of those threes, now it's a different ball game. AD can't just sit over there and roam in the middle of the court and take away Jokic along with Hachimura. Five different Nuggets shot at least 50% from the three. Like, it just comes back to what we saw. Like I said, when we started this whole thing, we saw a level of, wow, all right, made that shot that we don't usually see from nah. both teams. So tonight the question is, does that normalize? Are we going to see more of that? And obviously, what are we going to see from the Stars? Tune in tonight, Game 2 of the NBA Western Conference Finals. Nuggets host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations. And, of course, on Sirius XM Channel 80. Coming up, the one thing from Game 1 of the Lakers-Nuggets series that is being completely overrated, and it might just be what cost the Lakers the entire series. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Oftentimes, though, we underestimate what star players like Jokic can do against any matchup. And so, you know, certainly it was very effective in game one in the fourth quarter. I think the spacing component of what Aaron Gordon needs to do to make himself more available uh, as Anthony Davis sort of clogs the paint um, is an improvement the Nuggets can make. And so I think it's certainly viable. It may even be what's best for the Lakers against Jokic. Three hours later. 
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel Lady. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, so a lot of conversation about the change made in the second half in the Western Conference Finals game one between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Remembering that the Nuggets were out to a big lead, and in the second half, some of that reduced when specifically Rui Hachimura was put of the Lakers, was put on the responsibility of defending Jokic. And by doing that, it left AD the opportunity, Anthony Davis, to just sort of roam around the rim and just be out there in space in a way that he could affect anybody and everybody trying to get to the rim. We've talked a lot about it on all of our shows, but Michael Malone, maybe my favorite head coach in the entire sporting world at this point, always blunt and honest in his assessment, was asked, Nuggets head coach, after uh, yesterday about the Lakers' game one adjustments. And this is what Honest Mike had to say. Much is being made of them putting Rui Hachimura on Nikola Jokic. Like, we've never seen that before. There's this kind of discussion being based that, like, even though the Lakers lost, you know, they're walking out of here last night, like, they think they've got something. I'll bet you every red penny I have that Darvin Ham would rather be up 1-0 than down 0-1. Like Mike, I want to be like Mike. Malone, that is. <laughs> I love every part of this because that was my thought after the game, too. Like, everyone's talking like, the Los Angeles Lakers are up in this series one to nothing. And they're they aren't. They're down 0-1. And I understood that the Hachimura situation, him being on Anthony Davis, I mean, excuse me, him being on Nikola Jokic, that way Anthony Davis can roam a little bit more, was feasible for the Los Angeles Lakers in the fourth. But we're talking about the duration of a game now. Like if he's gonna start, if they're gonna insert him in a starting lineup and he's they're gonna give him that role, now he has to play that role for the entire game. And who's to say that his legs and his body won't get tired? Now he's not as effective on the offensive end because he did add 17 points and went 8-11 from the field in in a different role for the Lakers when it came to offense. Right, Vince? You get what I'm saying? Yeah, like, 100%. Like it's going to take more out of him on that side for sure. And let's be real about Hotsmore because you've been – I think one of the biggest, like, if I could, you know, put you in a tiny skirt and go, rah, 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 you've been one of the biggest cheerleaders for uh, Hachimura Excuse over me. the course of the last couple of months, uh, for right for good reasons. But let's. Oh, also- I've just been one of the the men rooting for him. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Cheerleaders. Well, well, you can have male cheerleaders. Uh, so you got the <laughs> my wife was a cheerleader like, though. Shout out to my baby. Okay, well, I mean, fine. <laughs> he wears cheerleader pants. Sorry, cheerleader pants. He got the megaphone. <laughs> rah, 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 rah. He's he's a straight on Hachimura uh, cheerleader, and I get it. There have been great moments. In these playoffs, but let's also not get it twisted and act like Hachimura every single game has been this. Like, like I think what we saw was a nice moment, and now what we're going to see is when the Nuggets have had a day to sit down and talk about it and plan for it, how do they adjust to it? Like, I, I think the concept that Jokic isn't going to be prepared for whatever they've watched on film for the last day, and that Mike Malone, the coach of the Nuggets, hasn't spent the last day figuring out how to twist that Rubik's Cube. I think if there's a moment here where I'm I'm in the Nuggets organization and I feel disrespect, it's that part of the conversation that's been missing. Like, that was a good adjustment in game one, a game the Lakers still lost. Let's see if Denver adjusts to the adjustment coming into today's game. Now, here's the thing for me, because on the offensive end for the Lakers, they were picking on, you know, Jamal Murray, and they were going to that pick and roll to get that matchup. So if you're going to get that matchup regardless – Right. And Aaron Gordon is going to fight over and try to, you know, stay on LeBron James. Why not just insert Bruce Brown, another offensive threat? 
Nah, that's a good idea. Right into the lineup. So that's something that they could probably play play with tonight. Not saying you do it for a a massive duration of time, but at certain moments, you know, just insert Bruce Brown. So now he becomes that offensive threat, and now Anthony Davis just can't sit back there and just you know play two two guys, uh, play one guy. Him and Hachimura play one guy with two guys. Right, and that makes total sense, Harry. I think the other thing that we have to look for tonight, and look, this isn't a new revelation on this show in the last 24 hours, but again, Nikola Jokic had 21 rebounds, right? Uh, Michael Porter Jr. had 10 rebounds. Uh, When you talk about the rebounding advantage, it was absolutely wild. So for all the conversation we're going to have about what are their legs like on one day's rest? And what's the altitude going to do? And how much impact can they have? Everybody's going to look at the scoring in the box sheet. Uh, uh, I'm squarely watching the first six, seven minutes to see if, yet again, the Nuggets just come out and outpace the Lakers. Because the Lakers can't afford to continually find themselves in a hole and have to dig their way out of that hole. That, that takes even more energy. They can't afford to come out flat. And they got their asses beat so handily on the boards. I want to see it, it wasn't just an effort thing. The Lakers need to prove that they can actually, not just effort to effort, but that the, the Lakers can actually out-rebound the Nuggets in this series. And I don't know all things being equal if they can. Well, I just want to revisit something really quick, though, Fitz, because it's, it's, I'm thinking about it now as you're talking. You look at the Lakers, right, and you look at LeBron James and AD and, you know, the energy that was exerted to come back in that ball game and try to have an opportunity in the fourth quarter to win. Even Austin Reeves played 42 minutes. If I'm the Denver Nuggets, I am pushing the pace and I'm trying to see how their bodies are recovered. I really am because they only had a night's rest. So I'm going to push that pace again, whether it's off misses, whether it's off makes, and I'm going to force the Lakers to have to run up and down that court, and I want to see what the stamina is going to be like for those guys when you get to late in the third and the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, and, and uh, I have a buddy that used to play for the Chargers, and he tweeted out yesterday, uh, nothing you do can compare can prepare you for the altitude. No matter how much you think you're ready for it, you feel like your lungs are popping out of your chest midway through a game. Now, obviously, you know, in the NBA, that's a little different, but I, I'm not sure. I mean, if I'm the Nuggets, I'm used to it. And if I'm the Nuggets, even though Jokic put in 42 minutes, he lives in that. He lives it every single day. It's yep. different for him. I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and run him out of the building from the outset to see if they can even handle it. Like, that. that's, to me, pace is how you beat the Lakers. But you know what, though? I got to give Jokic some credit because it was just a year ago where the Golden State Warriors was running him out the damn gym and he was like a little dog with his tongue hanging out of his mouth, breathing heavy. Now they're the team pushing the pace and running up and down the court. Yeah, there's no doubt. And look, as we all know at this point, I'm obviously the true athlete on this show. Uh, I work out. I go to Orange Theory. Uh, so I know what it's like. I was on a treadmill today for 30 minutes. I totally get what it's like to have to find that next gear. <sighs> okay, just let me indulge Squat myself. day to day for okay. me. Going we'll downstairs in my basement. Woo! All right, drop it like it's squat. All right, Kenny and Carlin coming up next. I can guarantee you they're not doing any squats, but they'll have great stuff for you. Listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to three Eastern on ESPN Radio, and you can watch on the ESPN app.